0: A paranormal Roundtable I'm your host Josh Turner and with me again is Anthony back at it and uh, we are here with uh, our guest our esteemed guest and colleague Deborah Hatswell before we get into that let me explain a few things we have a live stream that's on Fridays and Sundays it's a YouTube exclusive so if you're listening to us on the podcast Spotify uh, I really like Spotify I hope you listen to us on Spotify or YouTube. And, um, but not that I don't like the other platforms, if you're going to be on the other platforms, there's a lot of people that do, and that's fine. Um, But uh, those are, Spotify and YouTube are are just my particular favorites. So what I want to tell you though, is we have a Facebook group. Go join it. Okay. And we put the links to these shows and now on the weekly shows we're doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing every other week, we're putting one on there. So if you go and you leave a comment on the on the show link, you could win something like an autographed book from one of many authors or even one of mine. <clears throat> we have also a Patreon, $10, $20, $30, $40, $50 tier. $10, you wait two months, you get a swag bag, <clears throat> which consists of an autographed book and some cool stuff. $20 is basically the same thing, um, but you get a shirt. And then on the $30 tier, you get... Uh, a shirt and a book, same thing, but you get, uh, I believe, two books, right? Yeah. And then $40 tier, you get a book and then one of my autograph books. $50 tier, you get both of my autograph books and one of my colleagues' books, which could be Barton Nunley, Nick Redfern, Ken Gerhardt, Lyle Blackburn, David Wedley, just Chad Lewis, just depends. Uh, all of them are very good personal friends of mine, and they're all autographed. So that's a cool thing. And if you're in the UK and you are a Patreon, I will send you a book from Paul Sinclair. I have a deal made out with him uh, to where he can he'll send you a book. And uh, I don't know what else he sends you. I don't know if he if he sends you some werewolf fur or what what he sends with it. But hopefully, uh, hope hope you never know. He might send you a werewolf tooth. Uh, just kidding, folks. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any of those in stock. I think they're all gone. He sold them on his eBay store. But uh, h- here's the thing. I want you to know that even if you listen to us only on the podcast and you don't l- listen to the Friday or Sunday live stream, it doesn't mean that I like you any less, okay? Um, it just means that you're you're not a good person. It just means that we like the other people more. Yes, and you're not a good person. And, and, and we're just kidding. But anyways... That's what's going on. Join the Facebook groups. Paranormal Roundtable has many Facebook groups. Paranormal Lounge, which is Nellie's, go join, check it out. Uh, we're also involved with Barton Nellie's and Humanoids. Um, also, cheese. Who else? We got the Wolf PRT, Josh Tur- Josh Wolf Turner, I think it's called, or whatever. Yeah, the fan page. Fan page. Go join that. There's all kinds of stuff going on over there. And then we have, uh, I think, the Quad Coalition Sciences with Nick Valente. And, oh, God, there's so many, so many different pages. Just go the Paranormal Prayer Group. We have that, too. We have the uh, Holistic Healing Group, uh, Nelly has. And um, there's, there's a lot of them. Just just go join Paranormal Roundtable. It's free to join. Just go, just become a member. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. And uh, let's get started. Oh, and PRTPodcast.com, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. That's how you find me. Also, we do have the uh, zip-up hoodies. Everybody was asking about them. Now they're there. So Josh Turner, PRT Podcast.com, Send me your stories and go check out the store. The link to it will be on this uh, show, and you can get one of your hood get a hoodie for winter. All right, folks, let's get back at it. So Deborah, when we last left, you were in the middle of a story. You were just about to tell a, a juicy part of the story, and we had to stop. So,
1: well. I I think we were talking about how people can react differently to the same situation. So in a woodland in the northwest of England, about five years, six years after I'd come out with my experience, there was a young couple who were courting and as they were um, kissing and cuddling, the young lady started screaming because she saw what she described as a local pervert who was covered in fur from head to toe and he was watching them do what they did and they, the, the young man ran off after it and couldn't catch it and they, they were absolutely terrified. About 10 or 15 years after that, an older lady, who's probably about my age, it's probably about fifty in her 50s at the time, and she was very there, very pagan and Wiccan and and absolutely lovely hedge witch, and she said that once she was with her lover, in the woodlands and as they were making love they saw the green man who was completely hair covered and using the the green of the trees to shield his eyes and she said oh it's just one lover watching another lover in the woods (laughs) so a very strange story i know but it just goes to show that people in have a very different reaction to an experience I think, depending on what they're like as their selves. So I know for me, people always say, why didn't you stop? Why didn't you stop and get a really good look at him? Because I thought he was going to kill me, <laughs> you know. And and I didn't have a plan. You didn't have a plan. Your granddad didn't have a plan. You saw this thing and you're suddenly supposed to know every answer to every question that people have, like you know. Where do they live? What are they made of? What are they? Um, how do they eat? How do they have babies? So I've spent probably most of my career trying to prove all of those um, things, for, mainly for the flesh and blood kind of people demand, don't they, in the flesh and blood spectrum that they want all of this evidence. If you don't believe that the flesh and blood, I think there's not any evidence in the world that it could really sway you either way. I mean, I don't just do cryptid reports, Josh. I do paranormal cases that end up on my lap and house clearances. I do a lot of things privately that I don't speak about, and I've had the odd experience where I've tapped into a murder and been able to see through the murder of its eyes, but I try to close that down as much as I can because that is a horrible experience to have mm. to go
0: through. So, of your, uh, so let, let me, where do we go from here? Okay, so let, let's, for, for the dog man reports, okay, mm-hmm. you, like, do, I guess, let me ask you this. What was the most terrifying one that you've, you know, had to, to investigate or you've been given?
1: I would say some of the cases I've been working on recently are terrifying and maybe not for the the, the sense that people think, where there's been an absolutely violent or horrific attack, more frightening in a way that they seem to be followed home and things start to happen around the home and that worries me. Um, So much so, I reached out to a number of podcasters and nobody got back to me, unfortunately. It's happening so often now and seems to be on the increase from 2017 for some reason, but we're getting people who are out and they're experiencing a dogman creature and then go home and they start to experience things in the garden or the dogs don't want to go out there or this creature will kind of, when they're out there with the dog, will shake a tree or do something really frightening to them and then it will start to appear over the fence or outside of the kitchen window and unfortunately in some cases make it into the home. That absolutely terrifies me, because you can't protect yourself from that. That's, I think you've got to have a really strong will to be able to just shut that down overnight. You know that that's impossible for anyone. I worked a case recently, and it, it was a gentleman, and he was. He said it was a really hot night, Deb. Really, really hot night, and we had the windows open quite far, and he lives on the edge of town. Really, it's not a place where you'd you'd expect something like this to happen. But he said his wife was away with the kids he'd gone to visit relatives because he would lived out of the country for a while and were living in Sweden and not long since moved back. Now, what he didn't know was the, the, the area where he lives, there are two other reports of a upright, cadet creature. One witness called it a dogman, the other witness called it a werewolf, both separate occasions so he's lay on the bed. He's so warm. He said, I'm I'm dozing and I've got this, my dog, my little dog's with me. And the next thing, she's on my chest and she's pushing down on my chest. And she's normally a very vocal dog and she isn't making any noise at all. But I can see the fear in her eyes. And she's looking at the open window and looking at me. He said, and honestly, I was so tired. I just pushed her off and tried to go back to sleep. And she immediately got back on my chest he said, and she kept pushing on my chest, and she was really worked up about something. And he said, the next thing from outside, he hears this noise, and he said, it's down the embankment, and it sounds like the cross between an animal and a, and a human-type whale. He said, but what was worse, Deb, it sounded female. It was like a female howl crossed with, it, you know, with a wolf. He said, and this feeling of utter dread. Just filled me. And I lay on that bed and I knew that if I moved, I was dead. And I couldn't move. I was absolutely frozen in time. And he struggled with sharing that. He really struggled with sharing it with me. And he was quite emotional when we spoke. And I said to him, That's quite understandable. You've acted primarily there. You you know, you've made sure that you're safe. You've done the thing that's kept you and the dog safe. And he said, "I I think even the dog knew that if it had barked or kicked up a ruckus, that something would have happened. He said, and it was even, you heard it move off and go down the embankment into the valley and follow the river. So very typical of a cryptid. Um, And I said to him, it was so rare to get a female report of a cryptid wherever you live in the world, you know. Um, But like I say, there had been two other cases in that town in a 10-year period. And I felt for him, I really felt for him, I could tell how frightened he was. I remember thinking, imagine what that's like, being at home and it's three o'clock in the morning and you just hear this, this howl, this awful blood-curdling howl and you don't know what it is. And it's around your home. So it's not in the wilds or where you went camping or where you went out investigating. It's at your home where your family is. And I've experienced that, and it was awful. It was awful. We followed a set of tracks, and they went right to my back fence. And that is just, a, yeah, that was just, no, that was too much. It was just too much, and it was just like, it made me back off quite a lot. And it was when I realised that you really have got to be safe. You can't just go bungling into areas. You don't know what you're dealing with. And, you know, we have to learn. You said it yourself when we last spoke you. It's fluid. Not only is your your experience fluid, but also you're investigating. It changes as different evidence comes in, you know. And then I spoke to a man in Wales, um, very similar to me. He said it was a woodland that he'd grown up in as a kid. So he played in it his entire life. He absolutely loved it. And just before COVID hit, he was in a, a car crash and he broke his leg in his arm and he was in quite a bad way. And he, we'd been locked down at that point for probably two years and it was just too much for him. And his friend said, I'll drive you up there. Why don't you make, you know, like a flask of coffee and something sweet and I'll drive you up to the woodland, sit down, have half an hour and I'll come and pick you up and drive you back home again. And he said, that's what I did, Deb. And it was beautiful. He said, I was up there and it was lovely. And I just sat on this log and I'm remembering all this fun I had as a boy. He said, and I noticed to, the, to my right-hand side a movement, a very quick movement. And as he looked, this thing stood up. He said it was about seven foot tall. It looked like a wolf. It was up on two legs, very thick and muscular. And it just turned its head really slowly and made eye contact with it and stared at him, turned its head slowly back and walked off into the woodland. And he said, I can't, I can't go back to work. It's, I ha- that mud's next to where I work. So in the last two years, kind of kept in touch with each other as he's left there and found a different job. And he's actually left the area. He's moved to uh, another um, town and on another property. And that happens more than people think. I can think of two other cases straight away that I've worked in the past three years where the person's moved. Just out of fear, absolute fear. And I get it. I understand that. If it's somewhere miles away, you don't have to visit there again. But it's your home. You know, they're the cases at Terry Farmer.
2: Yeah, that's very similar to what happened to a couple of our previous guests. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner?
0: Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: So on the show, Craig and Jennifer Breen, they saw one of these things in the road first. It was It was eating something. The next day they went home. The next night, they saw one of these things. It yeah. showed up to their house. <clears throat> and... They think that it was trying to lure them outside because their dog was outside and it was getting just close enough to scare their dog, but it wasn't attacking their dog. Their theory was that it was using the fear of their, of their dog to lure them outside because, you know, if you're a dog owner, you, you want to yes. keep your animals safe. And, and it made sense because if it wanted to kill the dog, that dog would be dead.
1: Yeah, that, that's it. But what was its reasoning? It, like you say, it was using the dog as bait, wasn't it, really? Yeah. You- you hear cases where people will hear a baby cry in the woods and they will be drawn by that, and then they will see this creature. What if that creature, let's just throw it out there, is feeding on that fear? What if that fear is what
0: marinating you? That's
2: what I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, we talk to... about that all the time. Yeah, we've talked yeah, about that. Well, it's like a type of uh, meat tenderizer or seasoning for them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah fatten you one, up,
1: yeah. like Hansel and Gretel.
0: Yeah,
1: I never put. That creature that I saw in 1982, I never put that together with the paranormal experiences I as a child in my bedroom. They were very separate events. But after counselling people for 40 years on the subject, I think they are connected. I think they're very much connected. And I think what came to visit me as a child when I was kid, fed on my fear, because eventually if you see something so many times you don't fear it anymore you stop fearing it well it'd get worse it'd look more fierce or it'd do things in a more horrible way that would terrify me I was only about three or four I was only little really really little and I actually remember the very first time I was terrified I was in my cot and I was really really frightened and something that wasn't there stroked my head like comforted me and I don't know what that was, and it, it puzzled me entire life. And I've only recently found out who my um, my mum and dad's family are. I didn't know very much about either of them. I had to have a DNA test to find out. And I found um, some cousins on mum's side. And, I mean, that's a podcast in itself, in all honesty. The serendipities in that are unbelievable. But to cut a long story short, we were talking in a WhatsApp group, and each of my cousins was telling me their paranormal experiences. And one of them said, I don't have paranormal experiences, Deb, but I know things. I can like walk into a room and I, can, I know a lot about the place. But my daughter, Andrea, has had them their entire life. And the first one that she remembers, she was in a cot and something was frightening her and something stroked her head and comforted her. And i would never met that cousin, Josh. We've never had a conversation. And we from the family of 10 children. My grandparent was one of 10. Yet that girl had the same paranormal experience as me. And then I thought, does it run in our bloodline? Is it a bloodline thing? I don't, I, that's where my my um, investigation lies at the minute currently. Because even to the point where the separate serendipities have took me back to an Irish town that I've been investigating before I even knew that that's where my ancestors were from, And one of them was the Khan Money Witch. Um, and they, I think she was pronounced a witch in 1770. And they put her in the stocks for it. She's my fifth great aunt. So it's been in my family my entire life. But because I didn't know my family, I didn't know this background. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I can go into it a bit more if you want, but I don't want to bore you to tears <laughs> with
0: no, no, go ahead.
1: There's a, you know yourself, you, you work a case, don't you? And you finish that case and you, you keep in touch with the witness, but you have to move on to another case. It's what you have to do. So I, sh- I don't just take paranormal reports and things like that. I had a chap get in touch with me because he stayed in my town um, and he was in the hotel. He was in bed. He said it was about 9.30 at night, Deb. There was nothing strange about anything I'm lay there in bed and the next thing there's a woman laying next to me in a white terry-toweling robe he said and I thought she's coming to the wrong room or I've come into the wrong room and his only thought was how do I get out of this without the police sending up here or you know and he tapped her on the shoulder and he said she turned over and started to hit him she punched holy blue hell out of him and after doing that for a number of seconds she completely vanished gone so I said to him why were you up here what are you doing up here and he said well uh, I'm like I work for I think it was Mercedes I worked for Mercedes and he lived right at the bottom of England <clears throat> in Brighton so probably an eight mile eight hour drive nine hour drive something like that so he said he had to come up here to pick up a car from a customer and normally you'd pick it up at three in the afternoon and you'd drive it back home but because he was late getting in they had to book him into a hotel room for the night When the experience happened, he contacted a number of paranormal experts in the UK who told him he probably just had a dream um, or maybe he was just like tired or something after the long journey. So I thought, well, the best thing I can do is have a look at that hotel and see if anything, there'd been any deaths, basically. And that's what I did. So I looked and two years before in the very same room, there was a lady who was a diabetic. She had an argument with her partner, and she went to stay at the hotel for the night. She didn't take a diabetic meds, and she died in her sleep. And I said to him, I think your world and Earl Worlds just met in that bed that night. And I said to him, what did you do afterwards? And he said, you know, Deb, I was so upset that I'd scared her. I sat on the end of the bed, and I said, look, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to frighten you. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, he said, and am find myself there having a conversation with nothing. He said, but I walked away from it feeling really, really bad. So I said, I think if she's passed in the sleep, she probably just doesn't know that she's passed. So I did a clearing. I said, we were hoping that we could both meet up at the hotel room, but we were never able to do that. And I just went up with my husband in the car and did it from outside and just explained to her that she could go if she wanted. But he got stranger. That was 18 months ago. I do my DNA test. I bump into these cousins about six months ago, and we're all talking in this WhatsApp group, as I said before. And my Uncle Nat, who's in his 70s, who also has seen numerous things in his life, said, we had a strange experience, you know, Debbie, the month. I said, oh, what was that? He said, well, there was something wrong with my car. So um, a mechanic had to come up from Brighton, and he should have picked it up in the afternoon, and he were, he were right late getting in, so he didn't come for it till morning. He said, and when he comes to pick my car up, he will wipe. And I said to him, oh, you're all right, son. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm not. Uh, I stayed in Travel Lodge last night and I seen a ghost and she beat all the hell out of me. I said, I know who that is. That's Billy. He's one of my witnesses. And he was like, what? And I was like, hang on there, Uncle Nat. So I went and took a photo of the screenshot of me and Billy talking and I said, that mechanic that picked up your car is a paranormal case that I just worked how does that happen?
2: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs>
2: what are the odds?
1: You know, how does that happen? Just You you couldn't write that.
2: It seems like this stuff just kind of naturally naturally gravitates towards you.
1: Mm, he just, my, my cousin Nathan, you won't mind me saying, he's, he's had an Oscar. He's a very famous, um, he works for Disney. one of the cartoonists at Disney. he did Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and numerous films. Oh, really? He, yeah, um, I didn't know that until, until I met him. But the first conversation we had, he asked me what I did for a living and I said, oh, I'm a paranormal investigator. And he went, oh, funny should say that. <laughs> when I lived in London, um, was I was there one day, I lived in a flat, I was a single man, he said, and I heard this, jing He said, and I go out in the room and there's a little gold horseshoe and it's on the floor. He said, and uh, I'm thinking maybe it was my girlfriend's or... A visitors or something like that. He said, and I thought no more about it. I just popped it in my pocket. He said, but any day we were, li- we were leaving, we were going out that day, we were going out to Cornwall. He said, No, we get to Cornwall, Deb, and we pull up at the Witch Museum and we go in there and these hundreds of these little gold horseshoes pinned up everywhere in the th- in the thing. So I said, I promised him I've not done it yet. I said to him, well, let's have a see if we can tie our family to that area and I've not had a chance to do it yet but I said to him do you know I remember going there as a child my mum and dad took me to the witch museum at Castle when I was a little girl and it's just the serendipities between us all it's just really really strange it's just and we're talking about people who don't know each other so my grandma was born in 1921 I don't know any of her brothers and sisters or their children or anything like that we weren't close we weren't that kind of family um, and it's just strange that just really really weird serendipity that keep coming up for me so years ago i just thought oh, i'll stop worrying about it i'll just go with it it's never done me any harm it's kind of worked out for me you know and here i am today doing what i do talking to josh turner no people <laughs> <big> leave <laughs> 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 what do you think about it I'm i don't know if
0: that's <laughs> serendipity or not but i think it's uh you make your own luck kind of thing i don't know
1: maybe it's maybe i put the work in i, I gotta be honest i've put the work in i've had I've been ridiculed, I've been, you know, what it's like when you've had it yourself. People just come at you, don't they? They burn you at the stake because they have different opinions. So I've been through all of those things. And I just think it puts us, people like me and you, in a unique position. You can understand a witness because you've been there. You've had the same feelings as them, the same questions have run through your head. So you've already got that empathy for him straight away. And if that's, even if it's something different, like it's been different activity you still understand what it feels like to not be understood, to be constantly having to prove your word, to prove that you're not making it up. I never got anything from this. Nobody ever walked up to me and handed me something. I had nothing but ridicule and just people would call me theirs, like a sees monsters when I was a kid. So it wasn't something... I, did. I didn't plan it 40 years ago to be here doing what I do now. But it happened and I had to make the best of that situation, you know. I had to learn how to navigate it and I did that. And I realised that when I was a kid, a little girl in my bedroom and I was seeing all of these frightening things, I was teaching myself how to not be frightened of them. And I can do that now. I can walk into a dark woodland and it doesn't face me in any way, shape or form. We were talking about things feeding on your fear. So if that thing is showing itself wants your fear, take it away, don't feed it. And when I learned that, everything clicked into place for me and I thought, it can't harm me, can it? If, if I'm not scared of it, what can it do to me? Nothing. It's a nothingness. I just wish I'd have known that at 15. I wish there'd have been a podcast out there where someone had said to me, it's completely normal. I interviewed a chap the other week and he said his little boy saw shadow people in the bedroom. And I said to him, What did you tell him? And he said, I was really honest with him. He said, I don't know what they are, son, but people do see them. And what you're seeing is completely normal. And what we have to do now is learn a way to keep them out of the room. Yeah. And I thought, I wish somebody had done that for me when I recall. I'd have felt less crazy. <laughs>
0: You know what you were saying earlier about the screaming? I can can, man, there's a lot of different stories that we've been going over doing a show just about noises, like not noises. How do you say it? Like these beings or creatures doing mimicry. Yeah, yeah. And the screaming. I'll tell you if you want to hear something funny. That I get stories like this. This years ago, I stayed in Las Vegas for a little while, and I was. I went up to Brian head. It was like this, they had cabins there and stuff. And I used to like to go there. I went there two or three times, three times, I guess. I had a really good time when I was there. And I just, I, I liked it the first time. So I went back. And one of the times when I was there, it was, I think it was starting to get, I think it was like late summer, early fall. And it was already starting to get cool. Like, um, like a little bit chilly at night, yeah, and, and and so it's already pretty cold there anyway. But anyway, I was out walking, going to this little clubhouse where they had like ping pong tables and stuff, and I was with a couple of friends. Mm. And I remember this this guy saying, "Hey, you're into Bigfoot because cause I've always been kind of vocal about my beliefs, but you know." And it was a, it was a friend of mine that, that I knew in Vegas that I used to work with, and he was there with his wa- with girlfriend at the time, and he said you're into Bigfoot. He goes, there's a lady here that claims to have seen one. When I talked to her, she she admitted, she's like, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I just assumed it was a Bigfoot. And when she started describing the sound it made, she said it sounded like a cougar mixed with like a wolf's howl. And I thought, that's not a Bigfoot. I, and I didn't know exactly what it was, but I had told them, I told them about my encounter when I was 15 and they were kind of um, fascinated by it. But you know, that was it. well, year that nothing came of that. It was nothing. Years later, I get a report across my desk last week. And I mean, it's crazy. And we're sitting here talking about it, it was last week. It was right. Oh my gosh. Um, I, it, it was right in that area. And this woman, she said she lived in Utah and she said we were vacationing. And when she said, I heard you mention that you, you used to like to go to Brian head when you were, you know, younger. And I had said it on the show, you know, Kroger fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. so she says that and then she she mentions um that she had had something weird happen and when they when she went home and I haven't talked about it I'm going to tell this story on the live stream if by the time this plays I may have already told it but it'll be on the Sunday live stream. But she had, she said that she had this thing that she saw and I'm not going to give it away but she it screamed and she came down the stairs, and she saw it standing there at the foot of the stairs. And when she saw it, it was raining, and it was wet. And guess what? Here was a sunny day, broad daylight. She comes down the stairs, and she sees this thing dripping wet at the foot of her stairs. Oh! Huh. And it was like when she and when I read, I haven't even talked to this person yet. I've just set it up to talk to her. I'm supposed to talk to her tomorrow. You know, I got the live stream coming up tomorrow, but uh, I, I talked to her. Or, uh, corresponded with her, and I said, Yeah, I want to hear your story, and I can't wait to tell her <laughs> that, uh, yeah, there was another person that had described this screaming noise that sounded very similar, you know, way back in, you know, when I was a young guy in my early 20s, whatever. But I can't believe that, uh, you know, the way that these things fall out, you know, it's like, I guess you get so many reports, eventually it all comes around full circle. Like me and Anthony and, you know, we grew up in our hometown and people know now that they can come to me and tell me stuff. And I just got a new report uh, Tuesday, which, you know, as of this would be Thursday, you know, and so somebody told me, hey, you know, I grew up in you know right outside of Taylor Texas and I saw something really crazy and so I think that this person's probably going to give me a dogman story from what it sounds like of course we didn't call it a dogman we didn't know what it was we didn't say I saw a dogman you know nobody said that I was going to that. That. Yeah.
1: I was going to ask you that what did you call it at the time Joe?
0: well for for us in our hometown and Anthony you want to answer that you know
2: our hometown is like Predominantly, uh, like white and Hispanic, and the Hispanics would call it the hombre Lobo, which is the Wolf Man. We also have I have a legend of a black dog; it's like a spiritual black dog with the red eyes. It's called the Cadejo. Right, I got you. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, in the, our, our our town, I think now is probably predominantly Hispanic. Yeah, but it used to be like a pretty good mix of white, black, and Hispanic. Um, the white people always just called it. The werewolf. They didn't yeah. you know. And the black people would call it a werewolf or they would call it the haint. Yeah. But right. on the south side of Taylor, there were these legends of these things. People would see them in town and my friend's grandmother. And I think I talked about it in my book. Um, But I know that, you know, if you watch that movie Transformers where Mark, Mark Wahlberg is jumping around with Optimus Prime and they're fighting that mercenary or what is he, a bounty hunter? robot yeah, I think so. And they're fighting him together. I always trip out because i'm thinking man just like you know 50 feet from there is where you know i mean right there is the railroad tracks where my friend's grandmother told us a crazy story when i was a kid yeah you know we were hanging out you know we had all gone swimming and then because there was a pool right there by where he lived and then we had they were they were barbecuing and that particular area was considered the black part of town but I, i hung out with with my friend there and his grandmother she was African American and she said, you know she's like, I saw this guy she goes, I know it was a werewolf she goes he looked like a wino Bang. she always said that because she, you know that's that's how they talk the old timers they would say that and she's like, I saw this wino but it was a haint and she started telling us this story and and I'll tell the I'll retell it to you real quickly but it, the the fans and the audience whoever they've all heard it the listeners but it was weird because like he was laying underneath this this uh, railroad track when she came out she saw him still in his clothes but looking like a werewolf right and he was laying underneath a ra- like a like an abandoned railroad car that had been there for a long time and she was just like what the heck is that you know like it was just the weirdest thing you know and and but i always trip out when i see that you know i've seen that movie a couple times and I, I always think about that because where they filmed that, there's history right there, you know?
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely, you're tied to that place, aren't you? You know, people ask me that all the time. I say, but you know that area better than anybody else. The rivers and, and soil from that area are in your blood. So, of course, you're connected to that land, you know, in a way that nobody understands. It just, is, is it in Williamson Encounter?
0: Yes, it is, yes.
1: Well, is it? There's a town there called Hutto, not too far Hutto, ahead. Yeah, Hutto,
0: Hutto. Up. yeah, Hutto,
1: yeah. There was a a nighttime sighting there,
0: uh, twenty seventeen. Oh, really? Because d- d- w- what in my book, d- there's a guy named Phil Balcar who's my he works for my uh, on our cell phones. Like he takes care of all of our phones and stuff because for my business, we everybody we have to have phone network for you know and and so. He helps, he outfits all of our guards and everybody with phones. And then one day we were talking about the show and cause I had given him and his employees a, a business card about, you know, for the show. And, uh, the next time I go in there, he's like, look, man, he goes, he's like, he throws the card down on the, on the counter. And he says, you didn't tell me <laughs> that you knew about these werewolf things. He goes, I seen one of these things. And he so his story is in my book. And it's even, what's even weirder is. A guy named Sean, who used to own uh, the gun the gun store right there, right out of off Seventy Nine. It's not there anymore because they Samsung came in and now they've bought up all that, and they're they're making a big high with Super Highway there. But uh, Sean, who I grew up with, my dad and his dad and parents were my mom and dad were friends with his mom and dad, and he went to Hutto, I went to Taylor, but uh, it was weird because he told me he's like, yeah, it was me and my friend Sean. And I said, oh, yeah. I was like, my friend Sean used to live right there on 79. and He went to Hutto. And he goes, yeah. And then he named him, his last name, which I don't know if I should say his last name, but it starts with a W. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's my friend. Him and his brother Brock. I grew up with these guys. So w- when they saw that, they were in high school and it happened the same year that I saw what I saw. I saw mine on October 31st. Theirs was like in what, third week? of What did they say? Right after Christmas or before Christmas, something like yeah. that. I think it's in the book or whatever, but he—it's—it's crazy that they had this sighting, you know, and they were they were uh, driving around, you know, with a friend of theirs, and they all three saw this thing, you know, whatever. And it, but it's crazy because when you look at these encounters, they, there was a, a, a rash of sightings, like it was a bunch of them that, that broke out around that time. And one of my distant cousins saw one the the same year, the same thing, December. I think it was like a week apart from, from Sean and uh, Phil Phil Balcar's encounter. And, and that, that whole area of Hutto, now I've had a woman claim that, that she was chased by a UFO right in that area too. And I was just like, I was, yeah, that it was crazy. It could be the
1: land. It could be the land. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. I'm telling
0: you, something's, you know, and I know my Uncle Butch, his farm is like maybe, maybe what, a, half a mile from that spot yeah and he had asked me and anthony one day he's like well there ain't nothing that ever happened over here right he was kind of concerned <laughs> you know and he goes all that stuff's always happening on the other side of town right and i said yeah yeah that's that's where it's at uncle i didn't but then i had to tell him you know this past thanksgiving i was like hey because i gave him my book he's gonna read that you know? <laughs> i told him i said look i'm just gonna tell you there was a sighting not far from your ran- your your ranch slash farm you know And he goes, well, I don't have much livestock there anymore, thank goodness. Um, But there was predation going on, but we think it was coyotes, you know.
1: Well, this one happened in June, 23rd of June, 2017. And it was, this happened off Highway 79 Mm and Edgar Avenue, Williamson County, Texas. Um, He said, I can't shake the image of what I've seen or get away from those sounds. I've never heard anything like that. It's a very big, long Report. He said whatever he saw, it was very large. It was tall. It was in our backyard, and it was hair covered. But yeah, that was um, Edgar Avenue, Williamson County. I know what that's
0: at too. That that's crazy. And then you know, when I was working in in Buda, which is south, you know, there was a guy that claimed that he ta- he had seen this giant shaggy like gray wolf. Uh, it was kind of a. It was Cabela's. I was working security for him. And they had this this sale, this after Christmas sale that they would do. And so I was out there and this guy gave me a, a story. He's like, I we we just started talking, and he was a a guy that worked there at the time and he was a hunter. And he said, Man, I saw the largest.' he didn't say it was a werewolf and it was only on all fours. And but he told me, he goes, I saw this big wolf like creature. And then when when I went to to go back and look through my archives the other day, because I keep like a, you know, all my stuff, I put them all, and archive it. And I was looking and I found that report. It kind of, I guess, you know, which a lot of them do, they kind of slip through the cracks. And I was like, I wrote it down. The guy's name was Kev. And I and I looked and I said, I'll be dang. There's a, th- this guy gave me this report. I wrote this down and I put it into my computer probably 10 years ago. Didn't even think about it, but it was a giant gray shaggy wolf. And he said that he was out there. It was out just, uh, Area near Driftwood, like in between Buda and Driftwood, and then I end up getting a UFO report, and then I get another UFO report on the other side of Buda, and then further in uh, south of Austin, there's a, there's an area right there, and there's a guy that has a food truck, and his name is Brian, and uh, makes really good tacos, but he's a really nice guy, he's a good friend of ours, and he gave us uh, like a a story, like a weird story, and I, I don't think I've told his yet, but. He was talking about he was out burning his trash one day because that's what they do out there. They don't have a place to pick up their trash, so anything that's not uh, you know that that's, that's paper or whatever they can burn it. And so he was out there, and he said that 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 something weird had happened. He saw something, and I, like I said, I haven't told that story yet on the show. But when I when I look at a map, like right just in between Austin and that spot where he lives, which is in just just on the southern tip of Austin, where it's just the city limits. There were Bigfoot reports there, like three, three of them. And then there was another UFO sighting in that area. So I'm thinking, man, what is going on here? You get these reports and they cluster together. And then you get these weird dog man reports. Go ahead.
1: If they're seeing a creature, the common denominator is it's upright. It's on two legs. It's completely covered in hair. And people who don't know each other or know about each other's experience are reporting it then you've got ufo reports going on in the area so i would do one or two things josh and i probably do them both one pop them on a map on a google map on a paper map on your desk and then you'll if anything comes in in the future you'll be might be able to see a pattern forming. it might be a seasonal pattern people might be seeing them the same month same season same time each year it might clue you into that that that's definitely one of the things that i would be doing but i'd also look online for paranormal reports because a lot of people if they don't know a cryptid reporter any experience that's possibly werewolf or like they will report as a paranormal experience and then i used to just look in hunting forums camping forums fishing forums or anybody you'd put i had a really weird night last night when we were out you know anything like that and then you will build up a real decent map of that area and you'll be like actually there's probably 10 accounts here all of different activity but that means that there is something different about that area and then we start looking at what's different about that area what did it mean to the native americans Was it sacred in any way? Because if you're getting dogman reports, there has to be burials. There's there got to be ancient burials on that land.
0: When you, when you stop and you start going back over these reports and you just, you uncut there, there there's so many that that you, you, you hear about, but I always wonder how many am I missing? How many are there that we don't know about? Because so many people, they don't talk about it. I've just, I've been eating at restaurants with my wife and, and with, with the guys here and, do you the waitress, like one of the waitresses at this at this place called Dos Salsas, she just told us, she's like, I saw one of these things when I was a kid, you know, and it was like right there outside of my car. And you're just like, good grief, man. There's so many of them. There's so many of these reports. There can't, they can't be, it's just, it's got to be something to this. I mean, and then they're all, and I think it's all paranormal. Like, I think all it's I think because it's like kind of like beyond the norm, you know, but it's all paranormal.
1: You're exactly right there. When I wrote my first book, that was the first line in it. When I say the word paranormal, do not jump to ghost or ghost adventures. Mm -hmm. Paranormal simply means around normal, something we don't understand. But if it happens to ordinary people every day, it is normal and they are experiencing a normal situation. It's society who puts the para or the super on yeah. Because They don't understand it. It frightens them. But one way of not being frightened is to understand something, to understand all of it. It doesn't frighten you. You know, If you can look at an area like me and think, I know for a fact that where Josh lives, there is going to be an ancient burial ground, because I've seen it over generations as I've taken the reports. In the same way, that there's always, for some reason, a river and a bloody railway line and i don't know why that's important yeah. but these creatures seem to move around using railway lines a lot of people see them from trains trains
0: you know? yeah, yeah because the train train area over there in my hometown is and where those train track enters they intersect right there because there was the, the cotton shipping because it, we you know taylor produced a that area was was the black soil it produced really a lot of like uh, crops, especially cotton. So it was shipped all over the place.
1: I was just going to say to you, do you know where it was shipped to?
0: Oh, all over. It was shipped to the West, mostly to the, I guess mostly to the West because, you know, they I mean, needed the what, cotton. The
1: where I, live. I live in that area where it was sent. It was sent to Lancashire in England because we have the right climate for it. And when I grew up, there are mill towns all around that moor. And that, in 150 years ago, was why my relatives came from Ireland, it was because of that cotton that came in at the port where I lived in my town in Liverpool on the coast. So I'm tied to your area in the same way that you're tied to mine. Because my ancestors were in the workshops weaving that cotton. Which, when you think about it, is a very it's a very small world, Josh. My
0: ancestors were chopping the cotton. They did a lot of the chopping of cotton. My my great aunt she claimed to have witnessed a, a cadejo, you know. Yeah. And I can I can tell you that story. But let me let me let me say something. I I don't like to give out a lot of locations anymore. I used to do it a little more than I do now because we have some people. I don't want to be mean or anything, but they go, they they will go and harass the people in that area, <laughs> and then, and I've actually had my name thrown out there. It's like, well, Josh Turner said that this area, and they're like, yeah, okay, well, you're not going to come looking in our land.
1: That's happening to me at the moment. Yeah, I you got to
0: be careful throwing those locations out there. So I've kind of we've really scaled back on when when I retell a story, I. Don't really. I kind of have to be more vague, and it sucks because
1: yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, my quandary at the moment.
0: You just can't do um, it because they will go and they will mess with people, or, or or they'll they'll find the person that you're talking about. And I always tell people, they well, I'll give me my, give my full name, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say your first name because you'll thank me later once you're not getting harassed. Now, unless it's something that they want to do, you know, that they want yeah, the, their I, name I, out there. You know,
1: I say I, I'm more than happy for you to email me and ask me, can you? I put you in touch with a witness? I don't mind doing that at all, but you've no right. We have a saying here in the UK, you don't mow another man's lawn. So if this person's had a traumatic experience, if they've seen a creature on their property, the last thing they want is for you to turn up because it's entertaining. And the, I told you when we spoke last time, I told you about old Fred, who lived in the, the very rural area in uh, Bedfordshire and he saw a werewolf for the window when I put that report out within an hour of it going live on YouTube, people were demanding to know where the farm was because they wanted to go there and I thought he's had a traumatic experience if you turn up on that farm after dark this is an 88 year old man you might terrify him What? I can't understand that I can't understand that I've got people out there, Josh, with miles more followers than me going to areas using my reports and filming themselves talking about that case with no mention of me and no mention of my company as if it was their report. And I said to him, it's not an ego thing on my behalf. You shouldn't be doing that because they didn't come to you. I offer 100% complete confidentiality. And when that witness sees another channel, talking about their case it makes it look like i've shared that
0: oh that happens all the time you, yeah I, I i see my work everywhere it's in books there was a guy there was a guy that wrote a book it's on amazon it's wrong uh, isn't
1: it you know you, you're not here to fill an empty vessel and i have quite a reputation in the uk for being a bit blunt but that's how i look at it i once explained it to somebody he said i don't know why you're so annoyed about it i said well you stand there and build a wall Right. And when you gets to the end of that and the man comes out with the money, who should he pay? The person who built the wall or the man who walked past it and said, oh, I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty much. Uh, yeah. And, and whoever retells the story, uh, my colleague, Barton Nunley, was telling me that he heard on, on YouTube that people were reading his books. And so he went and looked and it, it was, people were just sitting there, re- just reading out of his book and making money, I guess, from it. But people retell the stories and then they'll go and they'll get, they'll find a witness or somebody. I've seen it happen too, that that, that I talked to, I've, re- I've told their story and kind of got aggravated with one, one lady because she was, she's probably the only one that's been the kind of like witness that's aggravated me because she was like, I tried giving this story to everybody. And I'm like, I actually told your story. You know, and I was like, what are you you talking about? (laughs) Like, I I retold it, you know, I don't doubt that she really was afraid, but now she's like, well, you know, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell it for the first time. And I'm like, no, you actually told it to me, but it was kind of perturbing because I I was perturbed. I told Anthony, I said, this, this, they're going to think that I got the story off of this person that she was telling.
1: Exactly that, yeah. It's a hard road, but we're new, dude, isn't it? It's a hard road to travel some days. And then you get the case that comes in and you think, I've got to help this person. You know, every time I feel some days I want to shut my laptop and walk away and never, never, ever do it again. You know, I've done my time, is, is I say sometimes, and my husband said, no, there'll be another Debbie out there who's sat out there thinking she's absolutely insane, you know, at the things that she's seeing. And invariably a case will come in that day or the day after. And I think, right, and I need to, you know, I need to go and help this person. The chap that I'm helping the last couple of days, he's seen something in, in like 95, 96. But it's the first time that he's shared it, you know, outside of his family. So it's so hard for them to do that. For A, they've got to trust me and, and I'm a complete stranger. And B, just because I've given them my word that I won't do anything without their say, they say, I still have to prove that to them. So I put the kind of put the control in their hands. So if somebody comes swooning in at that point and texts that story and puts it, it makes me look like a liar, you know, and I've spent my entire life every single day proving that I'm not a liar, wouldn't do what I do and I wouldn't put the hours in that I did if I was a liar, believe me, I'd be coasting. They don't see the human story. They don't see the hours where... Old Fred. I speak to him now. I spoke to him yesterday. He's been in hospital. it has been really poor. And he rang me yesterday to tell me that he was home from hospital. And he was worried that it was maybe it was the illness that had made him see the thing at the window. And I just said to him, I think we just have to accept, Fred, that you've seen something. And that's it. And that's gone. And that's over and done with him. You know, it's, it's, if you're comfortable being back at home, then that's where you should be. What, what does your gut tell you? And he said, my gut tells me that I want to be at home. Deb, I said, well, that's where you should be Fred." They don't see any of that. They don't see none of that. What I do. No.
0: And then, and th- the other thing they do, p- people like to say, I had a guy that, that kind of was heckling me in, in, in one of the comments. And he was like, you don't do anything, but sit behind a microphone and talk for a few hours. And you think that you're doing something. And I'm like, this person has no idea no no idea how much work i do like Anthony, you can you can vouch for that oh yeah they don't see the work that's put in behind the scenes all they
2: see is the end result and think that the end result is all that there is to it like that finished product just fell into your lap and you go on camera and just hand it to people and
0: that's the extent of what you do
1: i spoke to um do you mind if I talk about paranormal
0: stuff? Well, yeah, yeah. One of the things I was going well, to say too, like, like the memorization that on for my show. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I, it's dude the memorization that goes into it because. Yeah. You know, I, when I interviewed Eric Palacios, like I'm interviewing you, I had talked to him at length, and and I was asking him questions. And when I went to interview him, like I told him point blank, he lives like here in Round Rock, like close to me. But uh, he he was shocked that I was not – I didn't take notes and I was asking questions and I remembered everything from memory. And Anthony told him that and Eric was shocked because he was like, well, hopefully we'll remember all this because I told him I didn't have a pen when we were talking the first time. And I said, I'm not writing anything down, but I'll remember it. And he's like, are you sure? I said, I'm, I will. And absolutely everything that we talked about, I remembered it. And he was really – I think he was shocked by that. And when I, when I, when I'm on the live stream and I'm retelling people's stories, there's no prompter in front of me that I read from nothing. I'm just telling it from memory and I'm pretty good, you know, at what I do and I'm not bragging, but people that want to make talk and, and heckle let them try to do that. I, I would challenge anybody. And, and my stories aren't AI generated either, like some people's. Yeah. And and I've, I've said this before too, even if they were, you would still have to remember, you would have to memorize it because I don't have, you know, nothing. And sometimes I'll have my notes like right there, but it's I don't write down like a big massive amount of notes because my fingers are messed up. So people don't realize that my memory it works, you know what I mean? Like that's what I use. And so for them to say things like, you know, they're just – it doesn't doesn't add up. Well, with you take thing. time
1: away from from your family. <clears throat> you could be doing, uh, you know, you could be doing any other thing that you chose to do other than what you're doing, but you're helping people. And I – in the beginning, it used to drive me mad, but my husband just said, just ignore them, Jeff. just help the ones that you can. Because honestly, I really think that even if I went out and caught a dog man and dragged it in front of a camera on a live stream, it <laughs> would still say I was lying.
0: No, you they're know. not going <laughs> to believe it. it, it, it I, just just... I
1: just think I don't care. 99% of people have made up their mind before they even write a comment, you know, and I just think if that's how you want to be, then that's how you want to be. But every now and again I will say, when someone will say to me like, um, I didn't like the way you interviewed that guy and I'll say, well, how do you do it on your show? And then they go, well, I haven't got a show, and say, well, there you go, rest my case. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is there anything you wanted to say at the uh, you know as we're coming to the close here, Deborah, did you wanna plug your channel do you want to plug your books?
1: Well, first, I want to thank you actually for inviting me on because you have a massive following in the u k They absolutely adore you, Josh, and they will be made up that me and you have sat down and had this conversation you know same as with with you and Paul so thank you for that that like, that is absolutely massive to me <clears throat> if anybody's out there and they want to get in touch with me i made it really easy. Everything's just under Deborah Hatswell, BBR Investigations. But I'm going to give Josh my link tree and you'll be able to click on it and it'll take you to my YouTube, my podcast, my website. I do the same as these guys here. I have Patreon and everything else. But if you just want to have a private conversation with me, we can do that as well, you know, just know you're not on your own out there. Um, and I think that's it. And I'd love to come back on and, and do some more work with
0: you, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed it and the stories and everything. Um, yeah, Deborah Hatswell, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Paranormal Roundtable. And uh, check us out. Like I said, join Facebook. Uh, you can send me a Facebook uh, friend request. I wasn't really accepting any right now because of the stuff that's been going on with all these these knuckleheads. But Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. And uh, if you need, though, to get in touch with me or tell me a story, you can message me through Messenger. We don't have to be friends on Facebook for you to do that. And a lot of people just do that. They don't even give the email. But you know, a lot of people use the email, too. And there are two emails. Um, but anyway, the old one, that, that still works. People still send me a lot of stuff on that one. And then the new one, which isn't new, but it's the the current one, Josh Turner at Podcast.com. So, Check out Deborah. She's got a lot of amazing stuff. You've you you you've written books too, right, Deborah?
1: Yeah, I've written two. The first one is, um, I called it the unfortunate fortunates. When you see something and people say to you, oh, I'd love to see that. And you think, yeah. It's basically based on what it's like to be a witness. The first book's about bigfoot creatures and the second book's about like werewolves and dogmen. And they just, it's just witness testimony. And some of my thoughts and theories really on um, what these creatures are
0: wow that's interesting that sounds like uh what i got that i wrote a book about werewolves and the dogman phenomenon the other one's a bigfoot phenomenon so you've done the same thing
1: if if there's anybody out there who's on your patron or who joins your patron and they want a a book from me i am more than happy to send them one so you know okay yeah
0: we can do the same thing that you do with paul because some of the patreon people that that need to get their stuff they're from uk yeah, um, that, it's so expensive fine. to ship. I can I can get one from you and one from Paul. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, it, most definitely. You just let me know and I'll source it for you, Josh.
0: I will. I will. And I appreciate it, Deb. Thank you for your time.
1: Good night.
0: All right. Good night.